we probably uh, Robin sort of um, has already touched on this a little bit this morning um, about some of the common lies that we hear around us. The check is in the mail. I'll start my diet tomorrow. Um, we service what we sell. Give me your give me your number and the doctor will call you right back. Money cheerfully refunded. One size fits all. This offer is limited to the first 100 people who call in. Your luggage isn't lost, it's just misplaced. Leave your resume and we'll keep it on file. This hurts me more than it hurts you. I just need five minutes of your time. Your table will be ready in a few minutes. Open wide, it won't hurt a bit. Let's have lunch sometime. It's not the money, it is the principle. Um, Wikipedia defines deception as an act of beguilement, deceit or bluff to propagate things that are not true. Some forms of deception include lies, where you make up information or give information that is opposite or very different from the truth. Equivocations, where you make an indirect, ambiguous or contradictory statement. Um, Concealments, where you omit information that is important or relevant to the given context. Exaggerations, where you stretch or overstate the truth to a degree. Or understatements, when you minimise or downplay aspects of the truth. Now, as I've read out those those definitions, I suppose, maybe you can think of times when, like, okay, maybe you can think of a time when you've you've pranged your car and you you go and tell your husband or wife or your mum and dad, hey, it's not that big a deal, it's just a little scratch. Or maybe it's an exaggeration, like someone's cut you off in traffic and you make it out that they deliberately sort of sort of kind of push my car off the road it seems and they've put my whole day out or you say I have just bought a few things and put a few things on the credit card a few might mean a hundred and they all cost a lot of money like just a few I'm not going to say tell you all about it but today we're going to be talking about deception um, because the thing is, what happens in our world is that even as Christians, we, we settle for lies too often. And, and the thing is, when we settle for a deception, when we settle for a lie, what ends up happening, we, we are unable to live at the fullness that God wants for us. It's just not possible. Because God is, wants to give us truth. He wants us to live by that truth. And, and, and the thing is, the world is sort of overactive in areas of of truth. And and the thing is, it's becoming like a catch cry um, in our world today. We we see things like, um, my truth. My truth is not your truth. Well, I'm going, like, I'm, I'm not sure that would work when I go into a courtroom and the judge says, what was the truth of this? Judge, my truth is not your truth. Or the victim's truth. It's my truth, though. It's true to me. Ten years ago, we called that lying under oath but now it's just telling my truth there's even the phrase of now we're into a position where we're talking about truth telling we've got to be and adopt truth telling in our communities we actually we tell lies about biology these days and actually force it on our community as truth and so the lack of truth or the action of deception has a great ramifications for how we live in the fullness of God. And today I, I want to look at the, the Gibeonite deception. Um, the Gibeonites um, 
and again, as you read the fullness of the story, and I'm going to point this out, it doesn't seem like it was that big of a consequence in the end. And I think that's where the idea of being deceived, it all starts that way. Because we get into a place where we go, this is not that big of a deal. And we tell ourselves a little tr- lie or we omit a bit of truth for ourselves. Even when we, we're talking about the truth that we need to know our lives. And it doesn't seem like a big deal. But the thing is, the more that you go down that pathway, all of a sudden, it's not just one little lie. It might be one little lie upon another little lie to the point that we are so far living out of the position where God wants us to be. And Joshua 9, 3 and 4, it says, But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done at Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. The people of, of the land that Joshua had come into, that they were claiming as the promised land. Um, again, we, we, when we told the story of Jericho, they were afraid of the people of Israel coming their way. Even I was afraid when they were coming until they, they, they had sin in the camp and it, it caused a stumble at, at Ai. But then again... I was conquered when the Israelites went out faithfully. So already the people of the land had, had heard the purpose of, of the Israelites and they had seen their actions under themselves so far. And so they actually made the active decision to go, we are going to deceive this nation. It is our only chance. And so they developed the plan. They, they basically dressed themselves up in old clothes, put old foods in their bag and pretended to come from a long way away. Joshua 9, um, um, picked at verse 12 and 13, picks this up. It says, This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our home, but now, as you can see, it is dry and mouldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open, and our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. Basically, the Gibeonites were trying to present themselves as people that were in a distant land. And again, I think that would have actually appealed to the Israelites a little bit because all of a sudden we've come from a really, really long way away, but we've heard what God has been doing and we've heard what you guys are doing. It was like fan mail. These are fans that have rocked up. They, hey, like they've, we're, we're kind of a bit of a rock stars with these people. And so all of a sudden, Joshua and the, and the elders of, of Israel, instead of maybe exploring the truth a little bit more, got sucked in. They said, this is awesome. They've heard good things about us. And so all of a sudden, the Gibeonite says, we, we want to make a treaty with you. We want, to, we, want to be, we want to be Facebook friends. We want to be all that kind of stuff. We want to be as close to you as, as we can. And, and let's make a treaty and, and we'll look after you and you look after us. And the thing is, what happens when people begin to deceive us is there is, or things begin to deceive us, ideas and thoughts, and, and there is a pathway that leads to deception. It doesn't just start. Like, some, sometimes we, we get sucked in really quickly to something, but most of the time, I remember a few years ago, I was actually at work and someone rung me up and they, they were offering me this great investment opportunity. And they said, it's guaranteed to win. And normally I finish these conversations really quickly and he got me, he kept me talking. And, and I wasn't sort of, um, interested in, in being involved in, but he basically got to the point, he goes, so yeah, so we're, we're involved in the equine industry. And I straight away, my ears pricked up and I went, you're talking about, cause he was talking about guaranteed investment. 
And I said, you're talking about gambling and horse racing, aren't you? He said, yep. And I, I, I stopped him real quickly. He said, there's no guarantee in that. I said, you're lying to me. You're not just mixing the truth. You're lying to me. And I said, morally, I'm against this, but there's no guarantee in this. I went, you're treating me like a fool. And it was, it was interesting because a couple of days later, I had one and it was, they, they used it, it was like a, a, a dog racing one. I'm going, for some reason, I was attracting them. And, and that one, I was able to go, hey, I had a call from your buddy the other day. I'm all done. Thank you. But basically, they have this really long spiel and they change the words and like, hey, you're investing in the equine industry and you got guaranteed returns. Now, if we're foolish, we buy into that, but there is a pathway to deception. And we see this in Joshua 9.14. So the Israelites examined their food. They checked it out to see that the food was, was dry and moldy. But then you have this phrase, but they did not consult the Lord. Now, we actually saw the same similar thing when, when they first went up to Ai. Who can remember what, what, when they first went to Ai, they sent up a spy? And what did the spy say for those who were here uh, last week? Only take a few blokes. They're scared. We don't need too much. Did they seek God out? No. And then all of a sudden they found out they had sinned in the camp and God actually removed his protection from them. If Joshua had asked before they'd went up to Ai, they may have actually solved that problem right from the get-go. But again, and it's not just Joshua in this situation, the elders of Israel were there and none of them thought to go, let's, let's just ask God. Let's have a quick prayer meeting and let's seek God's answer on this. No one thought of that. Now, we've got to understand why that would be because right at the start of the verse, the Gibeonites are going to the Israelites because of their victories at Jericho and Ai. So all of a sudden, the Israelites are feeling confident. They might be feeling confident in in their own ability a little bit, like they, yeah, God has brought us so far, but did you see that awesome sword move I did last week? Or did you see what happened? Did you see how easily we beat the enemies? And so it's a bit of pride. A bit of self-reliance. We're actually drummed into us in our world to be self-reliant. And sometimes we're really proud about the fact that we are self-reliant. And in that position, in our, our, our self-reliance, in our pride, sometimes our ears are not open to God's leading at all. Because what does God require us to come near to Him? He requires humility. It actually requires a, a, a we need to recognize our need for God. But if in our, in our hearts, in our minds, if we're going, hey, I've got this, God, I don't need your help, all of a sudden we are trusting our own wisdom. Now, I don't mean to be insulting, but every single one of us at points of time in our life, our wisdom will fail us. And... The thing is, it may not matter that you are at the end of your life and you've acquired more wisdom. You will probably still find there are going to be times that your wisdom will fail you because we are not infallible. Um, And it can flow, our wisdom can flow from our desires. It can flow from a sinful heart. Our our wisdom can flow out of the, the places where we are manipulated by the things around us. We end up filling our head with other sources. And, and the thing is, like, you can see this over the years with media. All of a sudden they speak about things that 
aren't truth as factual. We've seen it in science over many, many years. The evolutionary theory is taught as fact. And what you don't know, if you, if you know anything about the history of evolution, they have changed their story multiple times. Because their facts no longer fit, so we've got to change our story. Now, have we ever changed our story about Jesus rising from the dead? No, it's stuck, it stayed the same. Why? Because we believe that it's happened. We can let our desires influence the truth that we hear. You know when you really want something to happen? You find information that backs that up and you ignore the information that doesn't? Oh, I want to marry this person or I want to buy this thing or I want to do this job or I want to feel this important or I... Do you know what? I'm even going to go in the lottery because, hey, if God wants to bless me, he can. And if he doesn't, that's all in him. But the thing is, what we need to realize is that it is our desires that are influencing the way that we go. It's what we want. And even last week, we, when we looked at Achan, it was because he actually said, I want these things, all of a sudden, his focus changed. And so when we have a selfish desire, or a desire for something that God does not want to give us yet, all of a sudden, we can let that influence our truth. But ultimately, the pathway to deception is, is in this area, by not asking God. I don't, do you come to major decisions in your life and you go, this is the decision I want, this is the decision I need to, and it goes this way and then we go, it gets all messy, and then we pray? Oh God, what's happening? I thought you were blessing this. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes God leads you in a direction that's going to be messy anyway. And God, God's just going to go through. That's still the way that God wants you to do it. But sometimes we pray after rather than praying before. It, it means that we may be led into deception because we're not reading the Bible. The thing is, some of the things that the world actually portrays, like those little phrases that they sort of become like a, a, lo, a little bit of a motto from, love is love and you can sort of be with whoever you want to be and it's not such a big deal and, and oh, <clears throat> if you believe that, you're judgmental. If you believe what the Bible says, you, you are a bigot, you are judgmental. Now again, the more you read your Bible, you realise, no, that's not the case. The Bible actually says, I can love sinners, I can have compassion for them. But I realise that they need the truth in their life. And I've had Christians say to me like, but the world's changing, we need to change with it. And again, I go back to the Bible and it says, the Bible says, yes, the world will change. But we need to live out God's truth in our life. We need to live in righteous and holy ways. We need to live in a way where we as Christians are in, in, imbued with the holiness of God and we actually infect the world around us rather than letting the world infect us. The pathway deception can also come when we don't trust what God says to us. We look for an alternate way. And so when we look at the pathway deception, we, we, we get to the point where we ask the question, how can we be, be deceived? Now, I don't want to... Okay, this, this is a little point I want to make. Sometimes as Christians, we can be really gullible and we believe stuff that comes across 
our Facebook feed, our, someone tells us, I heard a story that, and we can buy into things really quickly because we want it to be true. So if on Facebook, I'm going to give you a recommendation. Before you share something, make sure you check it out yourself first. Because there are some stories that are there just to set up Christians because they want to portray us as fools. And I think because we want to believe stuff, we've got to do it. So that's just a little sort of tech warning for you. But what we need to realize is that deception is all around us. Sometimes it's dressed up as in really fancy ways. Sometimes it's dressed up as in law. Sometimes it's dressed up in a way that would sort of really make sense to us and we don't actually see it. We can be deceived when we want my truth to be the truth and we allow other people um, to be um, um, telling their truth the way they want to tell it. The thing is, we can also be deceived when, we, when the truth is actually mixed with lies. That's one of the ways that the devil actually works very, very well. You actually see when the devil actually approaches Jesus to tempt Jesus, he, he doesn't actually sort of, he actually promotes some good things. Oh, what, what? Jesus, your purpose is to be glorified above humanity. So why don't I raise you up above everyone? You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. All you have to do is bow down and worship me and you'll achieve your goal. Just a little bit of a lie. When, when the devil sort of spoke to Adam and Eve, he just changed the commandment just a little bit. Enough for Eve to engage in that process. And Eve was enabled herself to be deceived. And then Adam enabled himself to be deceived. And because of that, there was consequences. We can be deceived about what is truly right and wrong. Who would have thought that in our world we fight to actually kill babies and knock off the elderly? And it is celebrated. That is a lie that we've, that the world has bought into. And, and again, we've used it from, it's my body. I want my say. And what we don't realize is that both the unborn, both the elderly have value to God. We can become deceived about who God is. I think we can do this in church just as much as anywhere else. We can either, and I think we can go to either either side of extremes. We can sort of focus so much on one area of God and saying, God is going to be like this. God won't allow anything bad to happen to me. God won't allow me to suffer. God is going to bless me, and blessing means more and more money and more and more things. And all of a sudden, when, when we, we believe that God acts only in that way, and then God acts differently to that in our life, we either believe God is incompetent or that God doesn't care because we don't believe the truth about all of who God is. Maybe we believe that God isn't able to to do things. And so maybe instead of coming to God with our sins and and asking for forgiveness, we, we we don't come because we don't think God can forgive me. We don't think God can use me in his mission in this world. We don't think God can. I'm just too big of a problem. And all of a sudden, if we believe that, what we're saying is that God is not big enough to overcome the things in my life. Again, we, we start to deceive ourselves. And we can even be deceived about the truth about ourselves. 
Maybe we, we, re, we talked about this last week. We redefine sin in our lives. It's not that big a deal. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. We, we, we maybe we don't understand the truth about our value to God. And so therefore we don't live in a way that honors him. Or maybe we don't feel like we deserve the grace of God. Maybe we don't understand that God calls us to serve him and go, well, God is here to look after me and make my life easier. And we ignore those verses as, oh, go and make disciples, come and serve me, take up your cross. We ignore those because I want to wake up in the morning and say, God, pour your blessings on me because I'm more important than anyone else. We are taught time and time again that me as an individual is more important than anyone else. And we wonder why our world is so selfish. We wonder why people are just walking around saying, me, 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 me. And we're actually starting to teach the, de- we're actually starting to teach the next generation to think that way. It's not sort of, you know, how osmosis, it does not walk in that way. We're actually saying, yes, you are important. You need to, you need to sort of defend your rights. You need to be what you can be. And all of a sudden we're saying, be as selfish as you want to be. So these are ways that we can be deceived. So the question that we need then to ask, what are the consequences of deception? Joshua 9.15, he says, Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. So it wasn't just Joshua. It was the leaders of Israel representing all of Israel who said, hey, this is going to be a great deal. We're going to be in, have a peace treaty with these guys and it's all going to be great. And verse 16, it picks up three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites. The Israelites heard that they were neighbours living near them. I wonder who went uh-oh first or oops or started blaming other people around them. Well, I, don't, I actually didn't really believe that they were. I, I, think they were, I thought they were bad guys. Joshua, you should have made a decision about this. I don't know where Joshua looked around. Because again, like, um, I don't know if anyone would have said, oh, we should have prayed about this because none of them did. I would have been probably the smallest bit of things that they said. But then we pick up in verse 21 after they'd started talking to him. And, and this is, um, um, Joshua speaking to the Gibeonites. Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leaders promised to them, was kept. So they said, we're not going to destroy you because we promised peace with you, but you are going to be our slaves. And I suppose this is the thing. We start getting to the point going, well, at least it worked out for Israel a little bit. They've actually got some slaves because they, they brokered a bad treaty with these people because they lied about it. And we're going to enforce them to, to cut wood and to, to carry water. They're going to be in service to us. And if you read that end of that chapter, it says, and they're still in service to this day. Now, again, that book, Joshua was probably written, um, and so they probably were serving for a while. It didn't work out as bad as they thought, not the worst in the world, but what it did, it started a practice and a principle within Israel that would lead to great damage. I'm going to jump over to Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1 is probably one of the saddest chapters you can read when you look at the impact of what wasn't done. I'm going to pick up in verse 19. 
And the Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains. Verse 21. The Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. 27. But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Beth Shan or Tanakh or Dor or Iblem or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. 29. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Giza, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Verse 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites living in Kitron or Nahalo. So these Canaanites lived among them, but Zebulun did subject them to forced labor. Well, at least we got some more slaves. 31. Nor did Asher drive out those living in Akko or Sidon or Ahalab or Akzib or Helbar or Aphek or Rehob. Now, Pravina, I could have made you read that one, hey? So, um, 32, the Asherites lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land because they did not drive them out. In verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Hanath, but the Naphtalites too lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land. And those living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced laborers for them. The commandment was really simple. Go into the land and to remove all the people so that you can set up a holy nation there. And all the tribes failed to do it completely. Oh, but they did it enough. They got rid of enough stuff. The book of Judges becomes a story that happened or multiple stories that happened because the people of Israel failed to remove those relationships in their land. All of a sudden they were influenced. They began to worship the idols of the people that lived there. All of a sudden God removed his protection and they came in and they conquered a tribe and, and, and they lived in and then a subjection to them. We see stories of Gideon and Samson and, um, and it's all through the book of Judges. We see these people became subjects and slaves themselves because they did not remove the people that they were meant to. Now God equipped them to do so, but they told themselves a lie that actually began in this practice with the Gibeonites and actually continued on right up until the time of Nehemiah when the people returned from um, exile because they said, we are going to continue having these relationships with these people that live around us. We're going to continue to adopt the evil that they are attributed to. We even see it in the life of Solomon, who ended up marrying hundreds of wives and concubines. And basically, this wisest of men was led to the point where he was deceived at the end of his life. This is the thing, we've got to realise that the consequence of, of allowing ourselves to be deceived is, not a, is not, a, not a small thing. It will continue to build and build and build. And I see in our communities these days where we are telling ourselves lies, we are defending things that we shouldn't be defending. We are not fighting for the family, we are not fighting for marriages, we are not really even fighting for children. We are fighting for a self-indulgent, selfish sort of culture which will only do itself more and more damage. 
I remember years ago, there was two girls, they were probably around about 12 to 14, and basically they were grounded. For those who remember being grounded or having to ground children, like, um, anyways, this is, this is probably maybe 10 years ago. Anyway, these two girls, because they were grounded, they decided to, we're going to run away because we don't want to be grounded. So they, they hitchhiked from Brisbane all the way with Tamworth, picking rides with up with anyone along the way. And you just, as you hear this, you go, oh, that puts himself in such a dangerous position. The parents were frantic as these girls were sort of lost to them. They had no idea where they were. And finally they were found. And because the girls had put them in such amount, put themselves in danger, the police and the court system said, we need to protect these girls because obviously they weren't in a safe environment. So these girls got to, to live by themselves for a time where their food was provided. Education wasn't uh, necessary. TV, computer games were all given to them because we've got to look after these girls. And what did, that, what did the parents do? They tried to enforce discipline to put boundaries on their life. And our culture said, oh, no, that's not okay. And now we look around us. We look at crime. We look at other things. We, we look at the lack of respect among our younger generation. It is all there because we start buying into these little lies. We start buying into the thing that we, at times, we let, we allow the government to tell us what to think and what to do. No, no, no. It's God's word. It is God's word that is there for that will show us the way to live. John 8.32 says this, Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Or if you do the negative, if you believe the lie, you will be imprisoned. And sadly, I think this is where we get caught up so quickly that because we are not believing the whole truth and nothing but the truth in our lives, we get trapped by the lie and the consequences of it in our lives. We tell ourselves, this sin is not a big deal. I'm going to keep on doing it. And then we feel miserable because we're not in a good place with God. We're not actually enjoying the sin and we just feel miserable. And so instead of confessing and go, I know what, brilliant idea, let me go do more sin and that will make me more happy. And it does for a brief moment. And then we feel miserable again. I know, I'll do even more sin. That's the pathway that the world is on. But if we actually accept the truth of God, we actually accept the idea that God above us knows what is best for us. And that's not just for the world. That is for each one of us as well. That God actually knows what's best for each one of us in our lives. And when we know that truth, that true truth will set us free. Well, how do we go about preventing deception? How do we do it? Well, we've talked about it a little bit today, and Robin has, um, has, has shared a little bit about that, the idea of actually listening for God. To do the thing that Joshua didn't. They did not consult the Lord. Well, we've got to do that. We've got to trust in God to sort of show us the way in our lives. We've got to seek Him out. We've got to know His will for us. And we've got to be present with him to do that. You can't just read the Bible once and go, yep, I've got it all down pat. I'll just go and live my life. 
because the world, because the devil, because even our own hearts want to lead us astray from the truth of God, we've got to constantly go back to him and say, God, am am I going the right way? It's a brilliant thing about GPSs these days. As soon as you get off the track, they'll tell you to do a U-turn or go like, um, um, to tell you to go in the wrong way. Well, God becomes like that for us, a spiritual GPS. His spirit in us will, will correct that. And so as long as we're listening, we can go, oops, I've gone the wrong way. I need to get back on that right path. But if we block our, block our ears, harden our hearts, focus on other things with our mind, all of a sudden we're in the position where we go, do you know what? I can't hear where God is wanting me to go. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lead on all the experiences that you've had in your life. No, no, it doesn't say that. Trust the government and everything that they do. No, trust your pastor. Everything he says is true. Doesn't actually even say that one. Should be in there somewhere, I thought. Trust my husband or trust my wife. Doesn't even say that one in there. Above all else, we need to lean not on our own understanding. Not on our degrees, not on our, our years on earth, not on anything like that. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The concept there is that, and, and we try, most of the time we, we do it in Australia. What happens when they, they're making roads? They, they make a way through. So as, as much as possible, they like you to go straight. Sometimes they'll go around the mountains or over the mountains a bit, but often they'll build a tunnel through a mountain so you can go straight. And God is saying, when you submit to me, when you say, and basically this is what we're doing, God, you know what? You're actually right. I don't know everything. But you do, so I'm going to trust you in everything I do. I'm going to trust you in those big choices in my life. I'm going to trust you in the small choices. I'm going to trust you with my desires. I'm going to trust you with my relationships. I'm going to put everything into you. And I'm going to trust you. And he will make your path straight. He will make it evident, easy for us to see which way we should go. Even when times get tough, the way forward is easy or easy to see. It might be an uphill, but it's an easy road to see. That's what happens when we trust God, God's wisdom above our own wisdom, when we, when we rely upon his direction rather than our desire. When we sort of say, God, I'm not going to trust what I know, I'm going to trust what you know. And the person who's willing to submit and to be humble and to say, God, you are, you are the one who makes a way for me, will always be the wisest person that you will ever know. Not because, and that's the thing, a child can make that decision. Someone who, so you, have, you might have people that have got PhD upon PhD and someone who's barely able to finish high school, if they are able to say, I trust in God, that is true wisdom on, on, on show. So today, as you, as you go home, it may be even now like, you're, you're sort of starting to ponder that question. Are, you know, are there areas in my life that I'm allowing deception to thrive? What do you do about it? Consult God. Seek Him out. 
Ask him to make it evident for you. Trust in his wisdom rather than your own. And follow the path that he sets before you. Don't allow deception to build a lifelong consequence in your life. Let the truth become known in your life and let the truth of God set you free. Lord, we thank you that um, you have come to give us the truth. And in, in knowing your truth and, 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 and trusting in, in your wisdom, we can set, be set free to live in fullness that we cannot find in any other place. It's not security that makes us happy. It is not things that will make us happy. It's not relationships that will make us happy. It is your way. And knowing you, that will provide a way for us to walk. Help us to trust it. Help us to rely upon it instead of all the other things that seem to come into our hearts and minds. And Lord, I pray that we'd be free from deception so that we can walk fully with you. We pray this in your name. Amen.